Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. Next week, we're going to get back to our teen series. But this week, while we take a break from recording, we've queued up an episode sure to leave you craving some ice cream. Hope you find it helpful. Whenever I feel the pull of double chocolate chip oh, yes. pulling me, mm-hmm. how do I say, all right, maybe tomorrow. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks podcast. This is episode nine. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. This episode, we are going to be talking about self-control starting a series on the fruit of the spirit and if you know the order of the fruit of the spirit we are actually going in reverse order (laughs) so (laughs) that should be fun Uh, but before we get into our jesus said segment and all the rest of the stuff we want to talk about uh, let's check in from last week's episode last week's challenge and that was to record our prayers in a journal and keep track of the things that we've been praying for so how's that going for you ryan it's going well. I've been doing it for a while. I just use a Google Doc file, one file that just has a little template in it, and I kind of add a date, and I, I don't get it every day. But what I did this week a little different, in addition to continuing to journal those, is I went back to the beginning of the year, of this year, and so just a couple months, but and just read through all of them. And that was pretty powerful experience to just read through those prayers and see what God has been doing and go back to those times that I've spent with him. How about you? How's, how's that going with you? I hadn't been doing it previously as much. I've done it off and on, but I've been using my day one uh, mm-hmm. voice transcription app to be able to use my opportunities in the car while I'm driving and pray there and have it record those prayers. And I actually just had to drive to San Diego for work and I'm actually here right now. So during my rather long drive, I used that opportunity to record a few prayers. Having that resource of going back and looking at those after the fact is definitely helpful to see what the Lord is doing and how he's answering those prayers. And at least for me, that's been a way of keeping that in my mind. Sometimes you fire off a prayer and then you might forget what you said or you might forget what you were talking about and just really helpful. Road trips, that's a good time for prayer. I've always found that. For as much as I dislike having to drive any length of time, it is nice just to be alone and kind of take stock for a while. So always good using those opportunities for that. And so let's dive right in now to our Jesus Said segment. I've got a passage for you. This is going to be a little different one. We don't often, I think, associate the book of 2 Corinthians with anything that Jesus would have said, but there is, in fact, a reference to something that Jesus said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. So, Paul says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So what do you think? These are the words Jesus said to explain, or at least to help Paul through this denial, this answer to his prayer, which was, 
No, I'm not going to take away this thing that you are begging me to take care of. This thing that you are desperate to have me do, I'm not going to do it. And the reason I'm not going to do it is two things. One, my grace is sufficient. You have what you need in just having my favor And you are actually going to become stronger from weakness. You're going to have a reliance on my power. So when I think about my life, not just the prayers I'm asking, but my weakness, I have to go back and remember that weakness has value. That's not an easy thing to think about, though. <laughs> yeah. Weakness actually has value. Yeah. I don't think that way. I mean, naturally, I'm not just going to come to the conclusion that this physical trial or this situation in my life that seems bad, I am not naturally going to come to the conclusion that that is actually a good thing or that mm-hmm. I can benefit from that. It is not natural. <laughs> it, yeah. It's so hard because it's one of those truths that does not make sense until you experience it, that coming through these things, I was changed by what happened to me in my own weakness. You know, the passage about providence that we talk about a lot of the time, Romans 8, 28 and 29 talks about how God can make everything work out for good for those who love him. And it goes on to say those who were foreknown, those he knew, God knows those who are going to love him to the end. Those people he is bringing to conformity to the image of his son. And so all the things that happen to you, he can use for good in bringing these things about. And so it's no wonder that, like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in everything. Mm -hmm. Well, in the bad stuff that happens, yeah, because God can make all of these things work for good and the things that seem to be bringing you down if you love him what would be destructive in someone else's life is power in your life because you're humbled and you are brought to a different kind of reliance on him this goes back to the last episode with prayer and the will of god but it also goes to this episode and something we're going to talk about here in a few minutes What is the source of our power? And even seeing these weaknesses and these trials, seeing beyond them to the point where you can actually accept them. And as Paul says here, even boast in them. Hmm. He's happy about this now. He went from a point where he was distraught and disturbed about this weakness that he had. And when he heard the answer, my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness. When he heard the answer... All of a sudden now, his outlook changes completely on that trial, on that difficulty, and now it's a good thing, and now he's Mm going to talk about it, and now he's going to make sure that he uses that negative thing as a positive thing. It may be like overly simplifying to say that there's always a silver lining, but I Mm -hmm. think it's kind of the point of what Paul's saying here is that there is a silver lining, there is a benefit, there's a blessing that we can have in shifting the way we see our trials and the, and the way we see our difficulties. And in spite of everything we're going through, we have great power if we're able to take that on and shift our focus to it. You know, when I think of a silver lining, I think you're totally right that there's a silver lining. But the way people usually use that phrase, yeah, there's a silver lining, is like the thing itself is bad, but 
If you're optimistic and you have the right attitude, then, you know, you can see some good in it. But there's this host of passages in the, in the Bible that start to explain our really challenging why questions. Mm-hmm. Why are these things happening? Why would God allow us to be made weak by our suffering and our difficulty? What makes sense of it? I still ask these questions, not like, what are you doing, Lord? But like, what am I meant to take from this? What is going on here? Because nothing seems to be working whenever I'm trying to make whatever it is happen. You know, why (laughs) lately, why is it that our babies aren't sleeping? (laughs) And there's like the practical side of it, like, okay, problem solving, what can we do? Is there a change we need to make? But then, you know, Adrian and I tried to bring it to that other bigger conversation. What are we meant to take from this? Is God trying to put us through a training course here in virtue and character or in something he wants to teach us in going through this? Because weakness that we are feeling as we are exhausted and not at our best is fertile ground for God's power to be made manifest. And so it's kind of like even more than you can find good in it, that is absolutely true. And it's helpful to remember the thing itself has a purpose and the purpose is good. You know what I mean? Yep. When you look at the book of Philippians, you can see that Paul thinks of God's hand being in everything and all the difficulties he's going through and all the good things that's happening. It's a great course in how we should see our lives and the events that happen with God's hand in them. All right, so let's dive right into a series that we're going to do on the fruit of the Spirit. We have been talking about growth and spiritual development over the last handful of episodes, and it seems like probably the right time to get into Galatians 5 in this conversation that Paul has about the fruit of the Spirit. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in just a second, but let me just kick this off by reading the passage for those unfamiliar Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And we usually start off by diving right into probably the most important of all of these virtues, which is love. But we're going to uh, flip it and we're going to go in reverse order here. And we're going to start our conversation today about self-control. Working towards the climax. Exactly. And as you'll see in these things, they build on each other. And I think there's clearly a reason why it's called the fruit of the spirit, singular. Because in this list of the produce of our life in the spirit, we can't have one without the other. And so all of these things have to be present and they all have to be in unity with each other and building on each other in order for anything to be productive in our life. So what do you think is the importance of him using this picture of fruit? This is part of a larger argument that he's making about why they should follow the spirit and not follow a different way of living. Yeah, the works of the flesh. Yeah. Don't go back to the old law is part of it, that he's he's trying to make this argument against the Judaizers. And whenever Judaizers came to Antioch, 
kind of Paul's home base church, we see in Galatians 2 what it looked like. There was division, there was separation, there was ugliness amongst God's people. And that's what you can expect whenever you're not following the Spirit of God, when you're not walking in step with the Spirit, as he says in verse 25. That is, whenever you're not following God's guidance, whenever God's life, God's Word, Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God are not alive in you, the Word of God is living and active, are not changing you, and you're not being led by the thoughts and the ideas, the the words and the will of the Spirit. And so what he wants to show them is the unity and all the good blessings and all the best things in life come from walking by the Spirit. And it's the fruit of God's Spirit in you. And on the other hand, if you try to go to another way of living and you walk by the flesh, then you're going to go back to the kind of things you saw in your life as a Gentile and and you see it all around you, whether it's sexual sins or the kinds of things you saw in the idol feasts and the divisions and the hatred and the envy and all the things that came from that. So stay on this path because the fruit of walking by the Spirit is better than the works that come from walking by the flesh. The comparison to fruit is used so many times. Even Jesus uses the comparison in his Sermon on the Mount. And we can tell something about a person by the fruit of their life. We can tell something about ourselves, obviously, by the fruit of our life. But oftentimes, it's what you see on the outside that helps you know whether someone is following the truth or not. And that's exactly how you know what kind of tree it is when you walk up to it you look at its fruit and you say oh well that tree has good fruit and so it must be a good tree or that tree has bad fruit and so it must be a bad tree these characteristics are first inner characteristics yes and yet of course they are going to be manifest they're going to be external evidence of those things but if you look at yourself it's hard to see change in yourself because you're so close to it. (laughs) It's hard to notice, but you can look at yourself now and think of where you were whenever you first came to walking by the Spirit, when you first came to Christ. If you've been immersed in the Lord as you've been walking with him, you will 100% of the time see this fruit. You'll see more love and joy and peace. You'll see that the way you interact with people is different. You'll see that the way you respond to your own desires and the pull of pleasure or anger or other things in your life is different. 100% of the time, that will be the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in your life if you're walking and living by the Spirit. Self-control really is, I think in my mind, it has a lot to do with some of the episodes that we've been talking about and changing our habits and identifying good and bad things that we need to either put into our life or overcome. And self-control really is at the core of growing because you have to get control over some of these things that can just take over your life. And we have this real tendency, I have a real tendency to be very led by my desires, led by the things that I want to do. I'll give you a perfect example. Here we are in San Diego downtown and 
our hotel is right around the corner from the most amazing ice cream shop. <laughs> I love this place. It is so good. <laughs> anyway, so we went there a couple nights ago and we got some ice cream and it was glorious and I loved it. <laughs> but last night I'm sitting in my room and it was quiet and I was alone and I needed ice cream. <laughs> oh, the siren song of the ice cream. It was calling to me. And so <laughs> obviously that's not exactly a sinful example, but in terms of our desires, like what we want motivates us to get dressed, go outside, round the corner and stand in line for a double scoop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and before we know it, we're standing there and we don't know how we got there. We don't know what choices we made or decisions we made to get there but we are standing in line now and <laughs> it just seems like we couldn't help it or i i couldn't help myself yeah we talked a lot last episode with the prayer episode about what we want yes and self-control definitely has to do with desire there's this relationship between desire and self-control peter especially in chapter two but throughout the book of second peter talks about these false teachers who are like unthinking animals. They just do what they think, what they desire. So self-control definitely has to do with how do I pause or give myself the gap? goes back to some of the things we talked about in the habit episode too. How do I give myself the gap to respond? And whenever I feel the pull of double chocolate chip oh, yes. pulling me, mm -hmm. how do I say, all right, Maybe tomorrow, but not today. You know, I'm, I'm going to have my broccoli tonight and, and wait for the double chocolate chip. How do I not do what I want? How do I, as Jesus says, deny myself right. to deny yourself? Say no to yourself. That's a, that's a hard thing. Have you ever noticed in your life that what you do in those other times before the pull of the ice cream starts to show up in your life can affect the way that you respond in that moment of, to go back to a word we talked about earlier, in that moment of weakness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you were starving at that moment, <laughs> at that moment, whenever you were, were wanting the ice cream, if you hadn't eaten anything all day, it's going to make you weaker and you might still need to overcome that. But right that choice is affecting you as well. I think it's really a discussion about putting systems in place or mm. like we talked about changing what you want. Systems spoken like a true engineer. I know. There we go. <laughs> Put my nerd glasses on. <laughs> but putting systems in place, mm -hmm. putting yourself in the best possible situation, making small intentional choices along the way so that when you do get to that moment where you could be tempted in that way, You've set yourself up not to be in a position that just leaves you without any control. And I think about Paul's comparison to running in 1 Corinthians 9, you know, when he's talking about running in a race and receiving a prize. And he says in verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so that entire picture of an athlete, I think, is there for us to be able to see, you know, a runner is not able to do what he does because of knee-jerk reactions mm -hmm. along the way. 
a runner is able to do what he does because he constantly every day disciplines himself and puts himself in the best possible place to be able to do the thing that he wants to do to be able to run that race getting up every morning and putting on your running shoes that's Mm -hmm. making sure you're eating well every time you have an opportunity to eat that you're feeding yourself that you're hydrating that you're making time for running and for practice and exercise i actually did run a half marathon one time and i had not prepared ahead of time (laughs) and it was more a knee-jerk reaction than it was something that i prepared for and i suffered for it i mean i Mm -hmm. i did do it you know i did run but it was not something that i was prepared for every muscle in your body is saying okay stop but you don't give in to that desire because there's a higher will i mean the situation could have ended up so much better had I actually prepared for it, had I given myself to the training and the practice leading up to that, it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been such a mm-hmm. such a strain. I think of Ephesians 4.27, well, 26 and 27. 27 says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a chance, you know, or as Paul says in Romans, don't make a provision for the flesh. But the verse before that, what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4.27, the verse before says, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun set upon your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. So how do you not give the devil a foothold? What you do the night before, (laughs) what you do to make sure that you're dealing with your anger helps prevent a moment where your anger is bubbling up and it's become bitterness and there's the next day it's been sitting with you for 24 hours and now you're about to explode or or whatever if you whenever you recognize that you're snagged on something that you're stuck in a bad attitude you have to deal with it then or you give the devil a foothold and the athlete analogy is perfect and the systems idea is important So we can get into two sides to weakness here. (laughs) We talked about how power can be perfected in weakness, how God can use weakness to make us reliant on him and to stand in the power of the strength of his might. But that doesn't mean we make ourselves weak or allow ourselves to become weak and put ourselves in a bad situation. So that's the other side of that. There's an acronym that Adrian and I use, I don't know where we heard it somewhere years ago. Um, it's HALT. Have you ever heard? I haven't. Things that we have to watch out for that Adrian and I notice big time in our lives is HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm. And when we're one of those things, especially in our family, hunger is a bad thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one thing to decide I'm going to intentionally fast or something like that, and you've got your focus on it, but it sneaks up on you sometimes. If you've gone too long, your blood sugar's low. And you get hangry. You get hangry, and uh, <laughs> you just need a Snickers bar, but it's not there. <laughs> and And so you are giving the devil a foothold that you didn't have to 
or if you put yourself in a position where you let anger sit with you and you don't deal with it, you were not self-controlled the night before when you should have dealt with it. And now you need even more self-control to restrain this power. So now you are the the runner who hasn't trained, but is trying to run just as hard and fast as the one who has. It seems like it's a compounding kind of thing too. Mm. If you exercise a small amount of self-control now, you're not going to have to exert that great amount of self-control that you'll need to in the future. And so you're effectively helping out your future self by dealing with it in a small way before it snowballs into some big giant issue that you then need to deal with and i guess we see that in the life of david all he had to do was exercise self-control when he saw Bathsheba down below Mm. that's all he had to do Mm -hmm. and it was a small thing that he could have and should have done but then it snowballed into some huge issue for him and then eventually he had to deal with it in a big way it makes so much sense on paper when you think about it it makes so much sense in hindsight sometimes when like all I had to do was just respond differently or all I had to do was just think before I said something or, Mm -hmm. you know, these small things we could have done, but now I have this big problem that I have to deal with because I made the wrong small choice. Mm -hmm. And so we do start to see the power of all of these small choices and they do wind up becoming much bigger deals for us to handle if we don't address them when they first show up. Can I throw out there a concern about the phrase or the word self-control? Yeah. Okay. So. I think I know where you're going. It's a good word. Yes. Or a a compound hyphenated word, self-control. But both of those words actually can be problematic if we look at them the wrong way. So first of all, is it self-control that we need or is it divine control? Is it to take ourselves from our own control and place ourselves in the hands and the obedience and the submission to God and to surrender to that? And if that's what we're actually doing, then control is a mirage. It looks very appealing, but it's actually something that gets us into trouble and that desire and pursuit of control can be something we need even more self-control to restrain ourselves from because control is so hard to actually hold on to. Certainly, control over other people is never going to happen and their choices, and even though we want it, even if it's our children, what we have is influence and not control. And then control over so many other things in our lives is really deceptively dangerous to pursue. And so the difference between control and power is significant. You know, power over our choices, putting ourselves into the hands of God, following Jesus Christ as the king of our lives and following the Spirit's direction and the word of God. We understand the idea that I need to control my actions in the moment, but sometimes we try to go by this direct path and we think, well, I just have to grip my teeth and lose (laughs) better. I'm going to do it differently next time. And that is very different than saying, I'm going to surrender to your way and your will, just like we talked about in the prayer episode. I'm going to follow you and... 
there is so much more power in that level of weakness than there is in trying so hard to be strong. You must have been reading Second Timothy one seven. Ah, yes. yeah, it's a great <laughs> because passage. when you see self control not from a purely inwardly focusing, this is just something I have to bear up and do. When you start to see it as something that is a work of God mm. and that is an involvement of God and putting Christ's example and being led by the Spirit as the motivator for why we even do that in the first place, I think it's a really powerful shift. Mm -hmm. Because Paul says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and Mm self-control. So who gave us the spirit? God gave us the spirit. God gave us the spirit of power, love, and self-control. And I think that just wraps up this entire passage Mm -hmm. in Galatians 5 perfectly, because The fruit of the Spirit there starts with love. Love has to be all the way through it. Love for God, love for Christ, love for our neighbor, but I think even a love for ourself, a love for our own well-being enough to follow God, to do the things that he wants us to do. But so love is included here. Power, because sometimes when we feel like we are just having to grit our teeth and bear this whatever it is we're going through, that we feel powerless. Mm -hmm. We feel like we just can't control it. We just don't have any ability to change it. But Mm -hmm. God has given us power, love, and Mm self-control. And so it's, it's less about whipping ourselves into shape and more about us transforming our hearts into the heart of God. Yeah. Clearly, the fruit of the Spirit is not purely from God and it's not purely from us. It's in this partnership where Philippians 2, 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Next verse, for it's God who's at work within you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so that verse that you just read, I don't know if Paul intended it this way, but it may not be accidental, the order that it's said in, there's this sequential nature (laughs) that you could see in that. Right. From the spirit comes love, from love comes power, from power comes self-control, comes discipline. And so if we're trying to start with self-control instead of starting with the spirit that God gives us, starting with love, and then from love finding power, we can get ourselves into trouble. And I think it's a good distinction because it can be really discouraging when we just try our hardest and still wind up standing in line at the ice cream place. (laughs) Yeah. And how did I get here? We do feel powerless. Mm -hmm. Ashlyn, since she was a baby, whenever she started walking, you were well aware of this too. And she still does. She's seven years old and she still walks on her (laughs) tiptoes. The child is like a ballerina through the house. But it's so cute. It's adorable, but like she's ruining her calves. (laughs) Every time we we talk to her about it, she just, I I can't help myself. It's just what I do. And I think all little kids exhibit that. And sometimes we feel like little kids when we can't seem to break some of these habits. Mm. But seeing that we have been given power to do this, we have been given power to overcome all of these, as he talks about in Galatians, all of these works of the flesh. We can deal with these temptations. There hasn't been any temptation that's come to us that hasn't come to everyone else before. And God has made a way of escape from those things. He's given us a way 
there is a right choice here Mm -hmm. for us to escape these temptations and we'll be able to endure it, but we just have to be present enough, aware enough in the moment about what's happening and see that way of escape. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're, we're talking 1 Corinthians 10 here. Yeah, and that tells us that God is the one providing it. So in that moment, it's helpful to me to remember I'm not alone. God is providentially interacting with my circumstance to give me a doorway and I have to look yeah. around for it. But he's there, and he's making it, and he's putting a neon light on it. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been felt interrupted in a moment of temptation by something weird. Like, you know, I was just about to go off on this person, but then I got a text from somebody encouraging me. That's weird. (laughs) It's not always that much of a neon light, but it's amazing how when you start watching for God's providence in the moment of temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13 starts to show up, you start to see that God has given a protection to us. It's not necessarily promised to everybody. Some people he has given over, Romans 1, 18, given over to their desires, But he hasn't just given over us to spiral down and maybe come to repentance. He is giving us as much protection as in his good will he desires to do to allow us to make our own choices, but to have his help and his support in our weakness. Well, I'm going to have a hard time for the rest of this trip not going to eat ice cream again. So I'll be thinking about this. (laughs) Well, you've planted it in my head now. (laughs) Yeah, so that's self-control. Hopefully that's helpful for everyone. It's certainly helpful for me. Considering these things and seeing the door, looking for the opportunity to escape. And it's a great conclusion to the fruit of the Spirit. Even though we're just starting, this is the opposite of all of the things that we see described in the works of the flesh. And this is, if you want to think of bookends to the fruit of the Spirit, we just talked about how love gives us this power. The fruit of the Spirit that we'll end with, that Paul begins with, is love. And here is the fitting pinnacle of these things. The result of all of this that's going to help us overcome is self-control. All right. So let's talk about the challenge for this week. We're actually going to do something a little different. Previously, we have been talking about a variety of other challenges in our last handful of episodes. And because it's the beginning of a new quarter, uh, let's go ahead and recap. Where are we at? Let's take a little bit of stock and see where we're at with some of our challenges, where we want to go, and then we'll give the challenge for this week. So our first challenge was to identify a small habit, and we've been talking about that uh, extensively here on this episode. Mm -hmm. Identify a small habit that supports your bigger spiritual goals and incorporate that into your daily routine. That was episode two. Episode three, we talked about asking a close friend for the baggage that we need to shed, having that conversation. Episode four, we talked about choosing a passage and meditating on it that week. Episode five, we talked about singing a spiritual song every day. Episode 6, we talked about studying a chapter of the Bible and applying one of the inductive principles that we talked about into our study. Episode 7 was a conversation with our spouse, focusing on listening and taking action based on your conversation. And then obviously the last challenge that we had was on journaling your prayers this week. So in terms of taking stock, 
or maybe setting spiritual goals. What do you like to do around this time of year? What do you like to do yearly in terms of setting spiritual goals? Well, we, Adrian and I start the year with each of us individually, but kind of sitting next to each other through a course of a a few days, set goals, usually seven to 10 goals for different parts of the year. But we're thinking about the first quarter and then some will extend all the way through the year and some might be focused on later on. And then quarterly, we try to check in individually and then together check in on how things are going. And so, you know, here we are at the end of the first quarter. It's a good time to think about how things are going. It's a level, it's not the yearly level. If David Allen, the getting things done, GTD guy, a productivity author, talks about different horizons the 30,000 feet level looking down at your life? Are you down at the 10,000 feet level? Are you looking at your week or are you looking at your month? Well, quarterly is a really helpful horizon for me to think about how is this year going? I set out with these intentions. Are those the right intentions, first of all? Because sometimes I just need to throw out some of my goals or intentions or sometimes they're being replaced by something better wiser, something new has shown up as more important that it's led to. And then, you know, am am I focused in enough? Am I being self-disciplined in these in these things? So at a quarterly level, I'm looking really at my annual goals and it's just kind of asking, are these the right goals? And how am I doing? What needs to be changed and what's working? You do like a quarterly check-in of some kind, right? Yeah, I do as well. Every year on my birthday, which is in December, I usually, like we've talked about, I try to go away and set some goals for the year and kind of take stock and review things. But yeah, I do find it really helpful to check in with myself quarterly. And as I look at these challenges that we've had, maybe there's an underlying thread here or a few threads here. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's making time taking alone time or making time for some of these more inwardly focused goals or challenges that we've talked about, Mm -hmm. making time for Bible study, making time for prayer, Mm -hmm. maybe just setting ourselves up in the systems that we've talked about, setting up a system in which you always give yourself a regular period of time. My period of time is the morning. I have a lot more space, a lot more energy, in the morning, but some people are not that way. And that's great. If you can find that space in the evening, every evening you have the same period of time that you can dedicate to something more inwardly focused, then set that system up, get yourself into a place where you can regularly do something. I think one of the other systems that I see here as part of these challenges is close relationships with other people, Mm -hmm. having your spouse or having a close friend who you can check in with, because as as we talked about in this self-control episode, it's not always easy to see ourselves the way we think we are. Sometimes you need somebody to help, you know, be the Nathan in your relationship, (laughs) to be the one who can see your fruit, see what's going on in your life and be able to address it or identify it for you. Mm -hmm. And so maybe just developing closer, deeper relationships with people that you can then leverage or lean on when you're trying to check in on some of these things or you're trying to implement some of these better spiritual goals. 
those are kind of the two things I think about is just developing deeper relationships with others, but then also dedicating time in order to make these things happen. Yeah, the first one kind of kicked us off with this habit idea. And I see that in all of these and the concept of habits and stacking these different practices, these rituals is something I see has been a theme for this quarter for me and largely affected by our discussions here But I think it's helpful to recognize that each of these are ways of seeking God. Yes. They're just ways of pursuing him, of drawing near to him. And anytime we're taking a step towards him, he is taking steps towards us. You know, us drawing near to God is all the opening he needs to be near to us. And with all this talk about self-control and the talk about habits and having these systems, it makes me want to remind anyone who's listening about something you brought up with the, the ice cream, that God has grace for us. Yeah. And we need to embrace his grace whenever we're not all that we aspire to be in him. The more we pursue him, the more we'll be filled with him. The more we hunger and thirst after righteousness, the more we'll find it. So if you haven't every single day done the morning ritual you set out to pursue, well, just remember God's grace. Remember that God is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then you continue with all of your might, with every strategy you can find, with everything that you have pursuing him, and you're going to grow and you're on the right path. And so, yeah, some of these things have stuck for me. (laughs) And some of these things were just a nice thing that I did that week. You know, I enjoyed it and I, it was good to get back into inductive principles, but I haven't done an inductive Bible study every week that we've gone through this. But some of these things like singing the Psalms have become this new and powerful way in my life for pursuing God and just thinking intentionally about these habits and continuing to pursue him is the key. That's what, that's why we're doing these podcast, right? Yep. And so the challenge for this week, take stock of your quarter, take stock of your year and examine your spiritual goals and see where you're at, see where you want to go and check in with a friend and see how you're doing on these things as well. And hopefully you'll be on your way to growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Great. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. To the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. If you want to email us, click the contact link at the top of the page, and we'd love to be in touch with you. You can also find us on social media at slash the Bible Geeks, wherever you might find us. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. See ya.